Um, I'm, we're taking a little break from, another little break uh, for this Sunday from Exodus, but I was going to finish up Exodus over the next two. And, um, and he said, he said Sp- speak on what, what your, where your heart is. And, he, and he's, Bauer's great like that, and he's very encouraging. And so we'll be speaking from Nehemiah, and the, the message title of this is A Great Work. And we want to look at what that is and how that affects us. And we want to look at Nehemiah in this way. A lot of times people look at Nehemiah and they think of it as a leadership, uh, kind of a leadership handbook. This is how you lead, and, and they take all these principles. And people have done that for years, have read books on it, uh, and they do a very good job, but we're not going to do that. We're not doing, this isn't on leadership. This is about the work of God, the work of the Lord, and how that affects us, and what we need to watch for. So I want to pray first, then I want to read Nehemiah chapter 6, although we're going to be jumping all over Nehemiah here and there and everywhere uh, concerning this, mainly chapter 4, but... Uh, we're going to read Nehemiah 6, 1 through 9, but let's pray first, and then uh, we'll go from there. So, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that every word that is in the Bible are your words, and that we can learn many, many things from each one. So we ask, Lord, that as we look at Nehemiah today, that you will open our eyes to something new, something refreshing, something encouraging and envisioning, and Lord, that it would help us as we walk out our lives in you, as we do great work that you have started and you have included us in. So we thank you for that, Lord. So bless this message. Help me to communicate, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Nehemiah chapter 6 Verses 1 through 9, and like I said, we'll be, we'll be moving around here and there, and uh, we'll see where we go. So, starting at verse 1 there, it says, Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafarim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also said it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel that it is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you have been, uh, say have been done. You are inventing them out of your own mind, 
for they are all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from their work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. So let's look at this. Um, as we have gone through Exodus, and I mentioned actually on Monday, Thursday uh, during the service, I mentioned that there are many Exoduses in Scripture, the Exodus out of Egypt. There's also this Exodus from Babylon back to Judah, which is Nehemiah's time. And there's the Exodus out of, in our lives, out of the kingdom of darkness into light. And what happens after that? What happens after the Exodus? And, you, and as we look at these things, we think, the Exodus, oh, we're free, we're away from the bondage, we have something, but there's something else that God wants us to do. And it's a great work. It's the great work of the Lord. And that's something that we want to look at today and um, see what he has for us in here. Now, there are many things that we do in life that we would say are great works, and, and we want to, you know, and they're good. Every, everything is good. I, I think some of the great work was done this morning, and it's brought for lunch today, but uh, we do a lot of great things for the Lord, and, and that's it. But we're talking about the great work here. There's something a little different. There are many things God has for us. There's many things that we do, um, but there is a gr the great work of the Lord, and it's the building of what he has set up, the building of what God is building, not what we're building. It's the building of what God is building. It's the building of his church, not Crossway Church. It's the building of his church. And that's the difference here. It's the building of the kingdom of God. And it's done as a group. And I think that's important here for us to see that. It's done as a group. It's not us just going off and doing whatever we want to do. And we do it fully with the idea of doing it for the Lord. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. Now, that's whatever you do. And like I said, there are many things that we do, and we should work heartily as the Lord. But the, the work, the great work of the Lord is something that we need to do that as well. And a lot of times we will put things in different priorities and we'll miss out on what God is doing because we think something we're doing is better. And we want to be careful of that. So today we're going to look at building together, taking up the great work of the Lord, continuing to faithfully move ahead in that work, and then we want to learn some lessons in Nehemiah that's going to help clarify some things and, and help us really in everyday life, I think. So I think this is important. My main point this morning is whatever seems important that takes you away from the work of the Lord should be handled with discernment, strategy, and faith. Whatever seems important that takes you away from the work of the Lord should be handled with discernment, strategy, and faith. So let's look at my first point here. When we are doing a great work, the great work of the Lord, our enemy will try uh, to call us to stop. When we're doing the great work of the Lord, our enemy will try to call us to stop. One thing that I mentioned here in Ezra and in, and in Nehemiah, I've been reading both of those, and they're, they're fascinating books. And one thing that's really important to see in here that they were both men of prayer. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. 
And that's, that's something that's, that, that's a foundational work, and I think you need to remember that even as you're reading the book of Nehemiah, even as you're listening to this message. Nehemiah was a, a man of prayer, and he was an example to the people, and we want to keep that in mind as we go forward. Um, both he and Ezra, at the same time period, they were men of faith, they trusted God, and they prayed. In chapter 1, he prayed. Chapter 2, he prayed. God laid it on his heart to rebuild it. They started rebuilding in chapter 3. Chapter 4, they run into opposition. What did he do? He prayed. It's in there, and, uh, and that's what happened. So we want to look at, first of all, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and we're going to read a lot of Scripture today, which Scripture says it far better than I would. So, um, Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says... Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered, he jeered at the Jews. And he said, in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Amorite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, it'll break down their stone wall. I'm thinking, what nasty people. All right, nasty people. I've lost respect for the name Tobiah. I always thought it was a cool name, but Tobiah the Ammonite just wasn't that encouraging. So the thing is, this is what I like about this in, in chapter 6, or in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, this is Nehemiah's response. Nehemiah's response to their jeering. So we built the wall. That was his response. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. The people desired to see it happen. They had vision. They wanted to keep going. They wanted to move ahead. They had the confidence about the calling in their lives. And this is important. We as Christians, we need to realize that there is a vision and a mission and a calling on our lives to live for the glory of God, to share the things that God has done in our lives with others, to, to be able to share the gospel message clearly. Not all of us are the same, and we don't all do things the same way, but there's something that we all have a part in, the work of God. Not our own work, but it's the work of the Lord. So they had a confidence about this calling, even though they were facing with, uh, faced with opposition. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I haven't been faced with a lot of opposition. When you, when you think about it, you know, they ran out of a certain thing I like at the grocery store. Is that opposition? I mean, is it, you know, what, what is opposition? I think we have it pretty easy. When we think about churches uh, around the world and churches in communist nations and churches in repressive countries, and I could get specific, but I won't, but um, these churches, the people, they have so much opposition. They can't share the gospel. They can't, they can't tell people 
about Jesus, or they'll get, they'll get in prison. That's opposition. I don't think we face that. That does not mean that we will never face that. And I think that's uh, something for us to remember. And I think as we look at this today, we could learn some things to prepare our own hearts so that we're not all of a sudden taken by surprise. I don't think we should ever be taken by surprise. So that's why we want to look at this to prepare for us for the future, tomorrow, for home, for work. You never know what you're going to run into. I mean, I've had little oppositions. I mean, these little minute things over the years. And I could tell you about them. Might, some of you might say, oh, that's, that's pretty big opposition. I, in comparison, I don't, I don't think. I don't have armies around me wanting to attack me because I'm a Christian. At least not yet. So we want to prepare us um, at work or home, community function, even within our own church for, for things like that. Um, and it seems like the more work they got done, the more opposition they, they started to get. And, and that's the thing that we want to look at. And of course, in chapter 4, like I said, they prayed again. Now, there are certain things that opposition tries to do to get us to stop the great work of God. There are many things and there are examples in our passage that we can look at. And if we understand this, then we won't be surprised. We won't be thrown. If somebody gives us a hard time, we'll be able to just keep going. We won't be tempted to give up. We won't be tempted to stop the work. We won't be tempted to react ourselves and just do anything that comes to our mind. See, that's, that's the thing, that when we're doing the work of the Lord, we have an enemy, and the enemy wants to keep us from doing it. So I want to go over a couple of things that are in here briefly. One of the things was jeering. They jeered. Jeering is making rude or mocking remarks in a loud voice. I've had some of those in the past, but, you know... Those aren't that bad. But they're verbally harassing. They try to distract, trying to get you to stop what you're doing so you'll respond to them. That's what jeering is. People do that, well, if you go to a comedy club and the comedian's really bad, they jeer the comedian and they want him to stop. They want him to leave the stage. If he's a good comedian, he'll keep going. He won't stop because he's going to get paid by the time he's done and he, he won't be uh, taken off, off of... Uh, the billboard there. Um, so that's one of the things, the jeering. So you, we should be aware of that. Uh, the other thing is to cause confusion. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, getting countries to a, attack from every side, it says. And they prayed. <laughs> but that's another thing. It's trying to cause confusion, trying to get you. See, God isn't a God of confusion. If, if there's confusion coming into your life, that's when you stop. Not to, because of the confusion, but you stop and ask the Lord. You stop and you pray and you ask God for clarity. You don't decide that you're not going to do things because of, uh, because all of a sudden these things aren't clear. It's because you go to God. When things aren't clear, go to the Lord on that. And you pray. Uh, they also deceive, this is in our passage, chapter 6, they deceive or lie. This was the other thing they tried to do, deceive or lie. Verses 1 through 4, now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies, it says, the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although 
Up to that time, and not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hekaphrim in the plain of Ono. And this, this is discernment here. But they intended to do me harm. They're lying to him. Come and talk to us. Come on, let's, let's meet together. But he's discerning there. He knows that he knows that they're not supportive of what he's doing. He, they meant to do him harm. And he sent messengers, verse 3, and said to them, I'm doing a great work. See, keeping the vision in front of your eyes, I'm doing a great work here. I'm not stopping that great work. And he says, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it? To come down to you. And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. And then, of course, the other thing, fear. People try to bring fear into our lives. Accusations. They try to make things so it, it, it causes us to either be afraid for our lives or so afraid of what people will think of us that we will change what we're doing. And uh, it causes us to, well, it shakes us. It shakes our vision. It, it clouds our vision. And that's something that we want to be aware of and we want to be careful of. Verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, in the same way Sanballat for the fifth time sent his message or his servant to me in an open letter. An open letter meant it didn't have a seal on it. Anybody could read it. And he did it that way on purpose, so that as it went through the different places, people would say, oh, what has he got to say to him? And everybody is stirring up more and more. So he knows that something's going on here. An open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. Now, all of a sudden, they're coming to him and saying, you're going to cause trouble here. They're totally telling him, what the opposite of what they're trying to do. They're just trying to rebuild what God wants them to rebuild for the glory of God, and they have permission from the king of Persia to do that. And they're saying, there's going to be trouble here. You're, you're intending to rebel. That is why you are building the wall, and according to these reports, you wish to become their king, and you will also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah, and now the king will hear these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent him saying, no such things, <laughs> no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. You're lying to me. You're lying to me. So, and then in verse 9 it says, for they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from their work. It will not be done. But now, and this is important, oh God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. You know, it doesn't take much to cause us to fear. Um, it really kind of starts when you're really young because when you do something when you're really young and you do something wrong, you say, uh-oh, I'm going to tell mom. Automatically, fear begins to come up. So, so when you start to hear these things, and you get accused of things, better yet, I'm going to tell dad, that's even worse. But you, these fears come in, 
because we think they're a deterrent from us to do it. So people try to put fear into us so we won't do something. Fear into us so we'll regret what we did. When doctors tell us something um, probably unpleasant, saying that you have cancer or you have some fear starts to, and it's usually an outward thing that we hear and it causes an inward fear. And we have to be careful. We have to be discerning. We, we, need, to, we need to work and ask God. It's an outside effect on our inside. And that's why we want to pray, God, strengthen my hands, or God, strengthen my heart. God, strengthen my, my vision and my mission in that. Strengthen my hands. Well, let's look at, those are the things, some of the things that help us. But let's look at the second point. When we are doing the Lord's great work, the strategy is simple. When we're doing the Lord's great work, the strategy is simple. And this is a simple strategy. Keep building. This was his strategy. Keep building. When letters are sent to Nehemiah to come and meet with Sanballat and Tobiah and, and Geshem, he didn't drop what he was doing and assume that just because it was an invitation for tea and crumpets or something along that line, that they should go and do it. He knew he wasn't supposed What is a crumpet, anyway? But they weren't supposed to do that. I don't know if I like them. Is it chocolate on them? Anyway, he didn't go. They thought he should go. He didn't go. He wasn't going to stop the work. His response was... This is what his response was. We found the weak spots, we posted guards, and we watched more carefully. That was his response. I'm not going to go and meet with these guys. Let's, hey, let's uh, shore this up a little bit and make sure that we're okay. He issues a call to rally wherever an attack may come. Um, they, in verse 20, uh, chapter 4, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Because he says, our God will fight for us. So he's saying, don't just take whatever anybody says to you as something that you should believe that there's something there that you should stop the great work of God for. The other thing, this was another thing he had to do. He says, keep your clothes on. Okay? Keep your clothes on. Stay dressed. Verse 21, chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. So we labored at the work. Half of them held the spears from the, the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at the time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be on uh, a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers, my servants, or the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. They didn't, they didn't stand in guard in their pajamas. They wanted to have their clothes on. This is what they were going to... You know, I was thinking about this. Firemen and fire departments. I checked on this. In the fire departments, uh, the people that are on the night shift that have to sleep, they sleep in their clothes. You know, they don't need to hear this alarm and get up and say, okay, what should I wear today? <laughs> you know, that's not what they should be doing. They need to get up, get out, and jump into their boots and, and run out to the fire or whatever emergency that's going on. They're always ready. 
They're on duty. They want to be whatever situation happens. And this is the way it was for Nehemiah and the men. It's interesting, 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Um, be ready in season. Be spiritually awake. Be spiritually aware. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful. In it with thanksgiving. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded. Be watchful. And this is the one, we, we always think about this one. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We have an enemy. We need to be watchful. We need to be ready. We need to move along. So the other thing that we need to be aware of is to realize the resources we have, and that's our armor. It's one of the things. We have God who will fight for us, but he's given us armor. He's given us tools of the trade, so to speak. The weapons of our warfare. We have the helmet of salvation. Helmet is salvation. Okay, we can wear that. This isn't stuff that we put on ourselves that we have been, God gave them to us. The helmet of salvation. So they say, put it on. Here it is. Put it on. The helmet of salvation. The belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The shoes. It's interesting. We always say the shoes are so that that we can go and spread the gospel. But what it says is, for the readiness. The shoes are the readiness. Be ready. So don't, you know, just leave your slippers or go barefoot. Put your shoes on so you're ready to go and do what's going on. And then, of course, and this isn't part of the armor of God. I always say it is. But at the end, he says to pray. He says to pray. Be praying at all times. Now, did you ever notice that Paul never says to take your armor off? Never says to take your armor off. Now, I, you, you all know that I like sweatshirts. I, I wear hooded sweatshirts. I wear them a lot. And every once in a while, Roxanne will come up to me and she says, how many days have you worn that sweatshirt? And I'll say, I don't know. She'll say, give it to me. And she will wash it. We don't have to wash the armor of God. The armor of God is there for us permanently. We can have it. It helps us. It's tools for us. It helps us when we are really come up to opposition. And when we have a work to do. That's what the armor is for. We could get into the armor. It's for another day. We really can't get into it today. So let's go to point three because we do want to eat. So the third point... That's why people like me to preach on potluck dinner day. When we're going, when we are doing the great work of the Lord, we, he will fight for us. He will fight for us. The work should not stop. When we are doing the great work of the Lord, he will fight for us. The work should not stop. There's one thing that we should always be aware of. If we're doing the great work of the Lord, 
he's there for us. God is there for us. And I think we need to remember this because too often we feel like we're on our own. We feel like we're doing, we're doing a work. And it's, if you read, especially old uh, missionary biographies and things along that line, sometimes the missionaries will think, I'm, I'm all by myself. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then other missionaries are going, the Lord, I felt his presence. I, there's something special about this. There's things that are happening. God's going to use it. He's going before me. I'm not worried at all. And uh, read Aronite Judson. Um, his, is, his is just fascinating, just the struggles. He would go back and forth. At times he felt like he was totally in faith. Other times he just struggled with his faith. And then, and then you get John Patton. If you read John Patton's story, you think, this guy went through it all, and he still just pushed through and trusted God. When he's hiding in a tree, and the natives are trying to kill him, and he doesn't know what he's going to do, what does he do? He prays. And he says, Lord, I just if you want me to die this day, I do it for your glory, but if you have a way of escape, lead me out of this. And Sure enough, God led him out of it. It's just John Patton's biography, uh, autobiography, incredible, incredible book, especially the first half of it. I would recommend it to anybody. Anyway, I got sidetracked. That wasn't in here. I don't know where I am now. Um, so he is there for us. Let's look at Nehemiah 15 through 20, and then I want to look at verse 23. Nehemiah 4, 15 through 20. When our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had frustrated their plan. See, God had frustrated their plan. We all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction. The other half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that... Each labored on his work with one hand and held a weapon on the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread. Now in here, the work is great because it's big. This is, this is big work. The work is great. It's widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from each other. Verse 20, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Verse uh, 23, so neither I nor my brother nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. They were always ready. God had frustrated the plans of the wicked. God frustrated the plans that they had. And it caused from that day on faith to rise and they rallied as they needed it. They were called to be brave and courageous. They wanted to, to jump in there and do whatever they could do for the Lord. They worked and they prepared with tools and weapons and they continued to go on. And they didn't take their clothes off. They were prepared for anything, but they trusted the Lord. Uh, 19, uh, verse 19, uh, the last part of that. The work is great and widely spread, 
we're separated far from one another in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there our God will fight for us if you hear the trumpet he's saying don't get scared if you hear the trumpet don't say oh is it break time <laughs> don't don't say oh it's time to go home my shift is over if you hear the trumpet rally run come and help for our God will fight for us have you ever gone anywhere uh, where you just never had gone there before. It was just totally new to you. And you, you weren't sure anything about it. Maybe it was a, a different country or something like that. Didn't you feel better when you had someone with you that knew the area or knew the country? Roxanne went to Thailand a long time ago. And, uh, but she went with someone from Thailand. And it helped because they knew where to go. They knew what the customs were. They knew what the good places to eat were. They, they just, it was just much more fun. They didn't have to think about what was going on. And a lot of times when there's something new, it's, it's I don't know, we get, we get kind of worried. We get scared. We just don't know what to, what to think about it. Uh, it's one thing if you have somebody that's, you know, 6'4 and 300 pounds and very muscular that it's with you to protect you. That the president, you know, he has a secret service, which they're not very secret because we all know that they're there. But anyway, they have the secret service. You know, celebrities have bodyguards, things along that line. But we have God. We have to remember, we have God. It's God. He's with you. He'll watch over you. He'll be with us when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why do we worry? He'll fight for you. You see, God, with God, the great work of God, it is a great work. And we're a part of that work. And we're building a community. We're building the kingdom of God. This is an expression of of what God is building. This church isn't the great work of God. It's an expression of that work of God. And we need to look at it as, as very important and it's part of something that we can be a part of. We're building into the kingdom of God. We're a light in this area in a world of darkness. We need to remember those things, that we're doing a great work. And that God will fight for us. Now, there are many that have stopped the great work of the Lord. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of churches that have stopped doing the great work of the Lord. Sometimes they feel like the gospel's too negative. Maybe we should set it aside. And there are churches that have just set aside the gospel to make it more palatable so people can come. They don't want to hear that they're sinners and that they need a savior. Well, the Bible says we're sinners and we need a savior, and that's why they set the word of God aside. And it's not good. Some people do it out of pride. I can, pride, I can do it better. I can do something better. It'll be more important. It'll, it'll come out better. And we take our eyes off the word of God, and we start to do whatever we feel like doing that we think is good. And people build these outrageous organizations and there's no biblical basis to them. They seem very successful. But they're not building the kingdom of God. 
They think they can do it better. They lay down their Bibles. Some people are afraid. They lay down their Bibles and they give up. They lay down their faith, they give up. But the great work of the Lord calls us. It's a calling to our lives. And we're to be brave. We're not to stop. We're not to give up. We're to be prepared. We're to be prayerful. We're to be watchful. We're to be faithful. That's what God has called us to. And rest in the fact that doing the great work of the Lord, in doing that, that our God will fight for us. That should make us feel good. That should cause us to, to say, you know what? There's much more to my Christian life than I think. And I want to be a part of that. So let's pray. We're going to close here. And let's pray and ask the Lord to do a work in us. So Father, we, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is detailed in your involvement in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you will fight for us, that you will protect us, that you will guard our steps, that you have a work for us to be a part of. Lord, your, your people, the people of God, Christians, are never unemployed. We all have a work to do. Lord, and we all want to watch out for one another. We all want to rally together. We all want to, to, to build what you are building so that, Lord, people who are lost, people who are in darkness will come to know you. Lord, help us to, to see in your word the examples. Help us to see in other people's lives that have, that have stepped out in faith, believing that you're, you're leading them along the way. Lord, help us to see those examples in missionaries' lives, in biblical lives, in examples that we've seen even in our own friends and family. So, Lord, we ask, help us, Lord. Help us to, to trust you. Help us to be prepared, Lord. Help us to use the tools that you've given us. And we rest, we rest in the fact that the fears of the enemy are nothing to be afraid of, that the accusations of people are nothing to stop us from what we're doing. But Lord, we can live for you and bring glory to your name. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.